Have you been called to be a disciple of Jesus? If you have, you know that it means you choose to go where he goes, live as Jesus lived. And in today's message, Pastor Harris will unpack part one of how an all-in disciple of Jesus Christ acts, lives, loves, and even leaves his own life to follow him. I've decided to follow Jesus. Have you? And so, um, as I promised, we're going to continue, or we're going to move into the sermon series that I planned for us at this point. And so, um, so uh, Brother Jose, if you could bring up our slide here for our sermon. And I want to speak to us over these next couple weeks about all-in discipleship. We've been talking about, on and off since the beginning of the year, about being all-in. And I want to talk to us about all-in discipleship because I believe in this time, this hour especially, with everything that we're facing, now's the time for the body of Christ, for those who call themselves Christians, to be all-in disciples of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4, we read these words where it says, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people, to fish for men, to be fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their, and their father and followed him. In Matthew 9, 9, we read, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. You know, today in many church circles, there's a lot of talk about discipleship, and rightfully so. In fact, this past year, we've been talking much about being a disciple-making church here at Shrewsbury First Assembly. After all, Jesus commissioned us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples. Notice he didn't commission us to go and get a lot of people to pray what we call the sinner's prayer. He didn't commission us to go and build buildings or to hold worship services or to even go and feed the poor, although all of those things may be part of discipleship or even a result of being disciples. But Jesus commissioned us to go and make disciples to bring people all around the world into a relationship with him that is best described as a discipleship relationship. Of course, what that means and what that looks like and how it comes about is where all the discussion takes place. For example, is one a disciple of Jesus because they prayed a prayer or made a statement of faith? Or does one need to go through a series of classes, studying the Bible and filling out their workbooks? Does a person enter into, into discipleship because they have some mentoring or coaching relationship with a more mature believer? You see, the questions become, how does the church fulfill Jesus' mandate to go and make disciples? And what does it mean for us who have put our faith in Jesus to live as disciples? And that's what we want to talk about over these next couple weeks. You see, somehow, I believe, we have lost the essence of what it is we are shooting for. We have made discipleship maybe so complicated that we either can't achieve it or live up to it, 
Our understanding of discipleship has become so muddled that we don't really know how to apply it to our lives. No, let's apply it to the lives of those whom we lead to faith in Jesus. In fact, as a pastor, I've come to believe that many of the difficulties we find in the lives of believers today and in the church today is due to the fact that we have so many people in our churches who maybe they call themselves Christians, but they're not really living their lives as disciples of Jesus. We have what we might describe a whole bunch of half-hearted disciples. So many people who say they've given their lives to Jesus, they pray to prayer, but they are hardly living as such. They're not living as disciples of Jesus Christ. And again, especially in this day and age, with everything that's happening around us today, I believe our world needs more than ever before true disciples of Jesus Christ. That is all in disciples of Jesus. You see, when everything else is stripped away, now's the time for us to live as those who are following Jesus. And so that's what I want to talk to us about over these next couple of weeks. And I want to encourage us to be all in disciples of Jesus Christ. For as we'll see, Jesus never called anyone to just kind of give their life to following him. But he called us to follow him wholeheartedly, to be all in, or not to be in at all. And so this morning, our first message is simply this, that an all-in disciple is an all-in follower of Jesus. An all-in follower of Jesus. And so the first thing that I want us to see is that disciples are simply people who follow Jesus. They're people who said, I'm going to give my life to following Jesus. We just read a few moments ago from Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 9, about some men who were just going about their regular routine of the day when Jesus came along and called them to follow him. Simon and Peter, his brother Andrew, then James and John, they were just going about their routine of fishing and working with their nets and so forth when Jesus comes along and says to them, come, follow me. In fact, Luke gives us a little bit more detail in Luke chapter 5. He talks about how Jesus got into Peter's boat and he's speaking to the crowds. And when he's done, he sends Peter out to go cast his nets down again. And Peter says, oh, we fished all night. We haven't caught anything. And Jesus says, no, I want you to go out. I want you to do it again. And so Peter does so just in obedience to Jesus. And you remember the result? It was an incredible catch of fish. So much so, they had to call James and John to come and help them. And by the time we're done with the story, Peter and Andrew and James and John, we read, they left behind their boat, they left behind their nets, they left behind, James and John left behind their dad, all to follow Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 9, we read about Matthew or Levi, where we see pretty much the same kind of thing taking place. That one day Matthew's at his Tax collector's booth. Everybody just loved him, didn't they? But he's at, their ta at his tax collector's booth, and Jesus comes along. And although Matthew was a very different kind of guy than were Peter and Andrew and so forth, but Jesus comes to him, and he gives the very same call, follow me. And Matthew's response was the same. He got up from his place of work, leaving it behind to follow Jesus. And from these early stories, and others that follow in the Gospels, we learn a few things about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow Jesus. 
the first thing we see is the call to discipleship. The call to discipleship. And we quickly pick up on this pattern where there was just one basic call that Jesus gave again and again. Follow me. Follow me. Notice that Jesus' call was not to take on a religion. It was not to join an organization. It was not to accomplish some great task. It was not to enter into some preset period of study and examination after which, if they passed, they would then be a disciple of Jesus. But Jesus' call was simple and straightforward. Put down what you're doing. Leave behind the way you're currently living and give your life to walking behind me, following me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way. Follow me, run a Run along behind me, and that is all. To follow in his steps is something which is void of content. It is not a cause which human calculation might deem worthy of our devotion. Notice, follow me, run along behind me, and that is all. That's the call. You know, we've all played follow the leader at one point or another. And if there are any kids out there, maybe this afternoon, get mom and dad to play follow the leader with you around the house. And kids, you get to be the leader today. How's that? But we know what it's like where we do exactly what the leader is doing and we go exactly where the leader is going. And that's what a disciple of Jesus does. You see, the call to discipleship, it was very simple and it's the same call today. Jesus says, follow me. It's not a call to follow a preacher or denomination. It's not a call to follow a set of teachings. It's not a call to follow a movement. It's a call to follow a person and only one person and that is the person of Jesus Christ. As one person wrote, becoming a disciple is as simply as obeying his call to follow. But secondly, we see in the Gospels, not just the call of discipleship, but the cost of discipleship. And here's where it begins to get really interesting. For it's apparent as we read the stories of the calling of the first disciples that they paid a price to follow Jesus. Peter and Andrew, it says, at once they left their nets and followed him, that is Jesus. James and John, it says of them, immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Matthew, of Matthew it's written, he got up and followed him. That is, he left behind his tax collector's booth and his life as he knew it. You see, Jesus was always clear about the cost. Jesus never soft-pedaled discipleship. I don't think he ever would have said, oh, just pray your prayer and it will be all right. You get to go to heaven or you will then be my disciple and then you get to go on your own way and live your life as you want to live it. In fact, over in Luke chapter 9, beginning with verse 57, we read th these words, that as they were walking along, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And so notice how people were coming to Jesus saying, oh, I want to follow you. They understood that to be a disciple meant to follow Jesus. But what they didn't understand were the ramifications that is the cost of doing so. And rather than saying, oh great, get on board, Jesus lays out how difficult following him will be. That there's a cost. He makes the point 
that following him means the loss of security and stability, the reprioritizing of our lives, looking forward and never looking back. Over in Luke chapter 14, we see a similar theme, maybe even pushed a little bit further. For Luke chapter, Luke chapter 14, beginning at verse 25, we read that large crowds were traveling with Jesus and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? By speaking in hyperbole, as we call it, Jesus is making his point very clear. There is a definite cost to following him. To do so makes him the priority of our lives, no matter how it might affect our closest relationships, even our family relationships. Those who will be his disciples will have to pick up the cross of all kinds of difficulties that may come about by our decision to follow him. Jesus tells the crowd, you need to count the cost before you make your decision. For discipleship isn't about a, a fun ride through an amusement park. It's serious business, a serious decision to go where Jesus goes, to live as Jesus would have us to live, no matter the consequences of my life. And in verse 33, in verse 33, we read these words. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Well, in Luke chapter 18, we have a story of a guy who comes to Jesus, kind of like the epitome of everything we're talking about. This guy comes to Jesus wanting to follow him, and he's a rich guy. And some of us would think, oh yeah, Jesus could use a rich guy on his team. But again, rather than saying, sure, come on, get on board, let's go, Jesus tells the guy, first go and sell everything you have, and then come follow me. Now he didn't say that to everybody, but he said it to this man. And in verse 23, we read these words. When he, the man, heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. In other words, Jesus saw through to his heart that his wealth was more important to him than following Jesus. I'm reminded this morning there is a cost to following Jesus. To really follow him, to go where he goes, to live as he lives, will mean a shifting of our priorities, a restructuring of our values and goals, a shift in our relationships, and possibly a loss of our safety, security, and stability. The cost of discipleship means that there will be some things we will need to leave behind. Like the disciples who got up and they left behind their boats and their businesses and at times even their friends and their family. So too, those today who will follow Jesus will have to let go of their old lives in order to enter into this new life. There will be some things we will have to leave behind. A disciple is willing to leave behind whatever is necessary in order to move forward towards Christ and with Christ. There's a cost to discipleship. And that brings us to our final point this morning, the commitment of discipleship. For all of this speaks to us of the great commitment that is made when one becomes a disciple of Jesus. For in Luke 9.62, again, Jesus says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. In Luke 14, 
Jesus talks about how ridiculous it is to begin to build a building that you can't complete or to enter into a war that you know you can't win. In the same way, he's, he's kind of saying to us how ridiculous it would be to say you're going to follow Jesus and not count the cost or not intend on going all the way. How ridiculous to begin this journey of discipleship unless you are fully committed to finishing the journey. Unless you are fully committed to doing all that is necessary to live as a follower of Jesus. Jesus says it's as ridiculous as salt that has lost its saltiness. Can you imagine that? You see, he's talking about being an all-in disciple. Fully committed. No half-heartedness. It's no wonder that Christians for so many years, we've sung it in our church here numerous times, but we've sung, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. You see, that's the kind of commitment it takes to be a follower of Jesus, to be a disciple. That's the commitment of discipleship. But to be a follower of Jesus is not for those who say, well, I'll try it for a bit and see whether or not I like it. It's not for those who are just half-hearted in their commitment. It's not for those who like to dabble every so often in spiritual things, but rather discipleship is for those who are willing to go all in, to put their hand to the plow and not look back. It's for those who will start the race with the determination in their heart that they're going to finish the race. It's for those who will enter the battle as a warrior intent on winning the war. That's the commitment of discipleship. You see, in the end, the disciple of Jesus is a man or woman who's intent on following him, no matter the cost, because they made him the very center of our lives. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. He's no longer outside the circle of their lives, and he's no longer pushed to the fringes of their lives, but rather, for the disciple who's all in, Jesus is the very center of who they are of what they do, of how they live. Everything is all about following Jesus. So whether they're in the church worshiping as a disciple, or at home with their family, with their wife, with their husband, with their children, they're living as a disciple. Or maybe in their school, in the classroom, they're there as a disciple, a follower of Jesus. Or maybe they're at their workplace, in their office, when we all get to go back to work but they're there as a follower of Jesus. But the true disciple says, listen, Jesus, I give my life to follow you wherever I am, whatever it is you call me to. I will go where you go, Jesus. I will live as you call me to live. I will restructure my life around your priorities. Jesus, I'm willing to leave behind my old life for the sake of the new life that you call me to. Jesus, I will pay the price if necessary, even laying down my own life for the sake of following the one whom I believe to be Lord and Savior of all. I will follow Jesus. And that's what it takes to be a disciple who is all in. And today, as I said earlier, I believe that today more than ever before, in the midst of everything we're facing, in the midst of this crisis our nation and our world is facing, there is a need for men and women who will say, 
I will follow Jesus. I know it sounds hard, church. I know it sounds hard. In fact, Peter, he, he said to Jesus, well, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus speaks about an incredible reward when he says, truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, everyone who's, who's forsaken the old for following Jesus, he says, for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. For many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. I remind us this morning, the rewards of following Jesus, they far outweigh any price we might have to pay. Yes, there's a cost and there's a commitment. But the reward is so great. For we receive the blessing of our relationship with Christ, the Son of God, our Savior. We receive the gift of eternal life. And we receive His continual presence at work in our lives. And one day we will see Him and we will say, yeah, it was worth it all. It was worth it all. Maybe today, you're out there and you're a fully committed disciple of Jesus, fully committed to following Him. I want to encourage you to continue. Don't look back. Keep your hand to the plow. Keep running the race. Keep moving forward. Or maybe you're there and there was a time when you committed your life to Christ, but you um, somehow you've kind of pushed into the fringes of your life. You've become a little bit half-hearted in your walk with Christ. I want to encourage you today to pray and say, Jesus, I'm tired of being a half-hearted follower. Today, I give my life to be a wholehearted disciple. I give my life to be all in. Maybe you're out there today in a home somewhere. And you're watching this and you say, well, you know, I've never really been a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus. I don't really know what that means or how to begin. Well, today, I just want to tell you, it's, it's simple. You just, you put your faith in Jesus as the Son of God, as Lord and Savior, the one who came from heaven, was birthed here as a, as, a, as a man, lived as a man among us, died on a cross for our sins, and then three days later rose from the grave. You, you put your faith in him, but you just don't say, okay, Jesus, I believe in you. But then you take that next step to say, and so Jesus, because I believe in you, because I believe that you are Son of God and Savior, I give my life to following you. And as you pray that kind of prayer, Jesus, by his Spirit, comes into your life to forgive you of every sin as, as you say, Lord, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I just ask you to wash me from my sin. He comes, he forgives you of your sin. And he begins to make you new on the inside and his Holy Spirit comes to empower you that you might be able to follow him and live the way he's called you to live. If you're out there today and you've never given your life to following Jesus, I want to encourage you as we pray in just a moment, to say, Jesus, I put my faith in you and I give my life to following you. And you can know that as you do so, you too, you become a child of God. You receive the gift of salvation 
and the hope of eternal life, all that Jesus has promised. So church, let's be all in disciples of Jesus Christ. Let's follow him with everything that's within us.